Do we just want to jump into it? I literally need to like refresh my brain on this book. I read it like a week ago. I know. So I woke up at 8.30 to go walk with my grandfather because he, I don't think I told you that he ditched me on Thursday. He called me and was like, oh, I don't feel like walking today. And I was like, oh, okay, grandpa, I've been waiting for you for an hour. <laughs> you literally told both me and Lily you'd be walking. So I was like, well, would you walk with me on Saturday morning? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So 8.30, I wake up at 8, like, get outside at 8.30. We him walk three miles in, like, an hour. So then I get home at 9.30, and we have, like, coffee with my mom and him. And then my mom makes me a chiropractor at that point for 10.30. So I had to, like, rush, shower, go to the chiropractor. And then I had to get ready for lunch with my friends at 1. I didn't get home from that until 5 because it was bottomless brunch and I got drunk. But oh. then I like, on my way home, my grandparents were like, oh, do you want to come dinner for Nat my grandmother's birthday? And I was like, okay, like, sure. Like, I missed your birthday party this afternoon, like, birthday drive-by. I was like, I'll come to dinner. So I'm like, trying to be sober with my grandparents <laughs> at this seafood place. And like, seafood and drinks do not go, but like, no. I eat anyway. They literally had nothing else besides seafood, so I had to eat. And I literally just at home, and I'm like, semi-nauseous because I have four mimosas. And then I had seafood, and I just, it's just been a long day. But I'm excited because we need to record because we read this book months ago, or weeks ago. It feels like months ago. Let's do the intro. Hello, Book Talks Podcast. Welcome back. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this episode, we read Paris is Always a Good Idea. And we picked this book because I am obsessed with Emily in Paris. Uh, Any Emily in Paris fans out there, let me know. And I always wanted to go to Paris. I've never been to Europe, so... I think we talked. We, we might have talked about this in the last podcast episode because it was about travel as well. I don't know. I saw this on Bookstagram and I was like, okay, this is a perfect book for us. It's a, it's romance. It's about Paris, or at least like we hope it's about Paris because the title's in it. So that's why we started reading it. But yeah, it was a really good book. I really enjoyed it. It was very cute. I don't know. I think it was long. I, it might have just been me. I, but it was really cute, and I highlighted so much because I read it in the Kindle version. And just, like, really meaningful quotes that I want to carry with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> it was only it was only 334 pages, but I feel like the pages were just long okay. and the words were small. I never know. It's so hard to judge a book by its pages because of the different font sizes. Especially on the Kindle, like, uh, you can just, like, change font sizes. True. Um, but... It, but it also, did take me a long time to read as well. We just came off the Christmas blanket with Candy Steiner, so I think maybe we got used to the novella length, and then we went back to a full-blown book. That was like, it was half the size of that, and like, not even, it was maybe a fourth of the book that we read. Um, so Marissa, do you want to give us some synopsis for us? Oh, wow. I, oh, shoot. Hold on. <laughs> Let me pull up Amazon synopsis. It's been seven years since Chelsea Martin embarked on her year-long post-college European adventure. Since then, she's lost her mother to cancer. However, she's also become the most talented fundraiser for the American Cancer Coalition, with the exception of one annoyingly competitive co-worker, Jason Knightley. Wink, wink, hint, hint. When her introverted mathematician father announces he's getting married, literally after two weeks of knowing the woman, Chelsea is forced to acknowledge that the last time she can remember being happy, in love, or enjoying her life was on her year abroad seven years ago. Inspired to retrace her steps, Chelsea hopes that one of the three men she dated on this year-long trip seven years ago will make her remember what it feels like to fall in love. However, from the start of her journey, nothing goes as planned. But as Chelsea reconnects with her old self, she also finds love in the very last place she expected. 
when you read that, it kind of makes you giddy. Like, I feel like this would be a perfect movie. It would. I don't know how it's not made a movie because it's just, it's a really good plot line. It is, although I thought it was pretty presumptuous of her to think that after seven years, all three of these guys would still be head over heels for her. <laughs> like, like, how good is she? <laughs> well, she must be pretty good to have three boys fall in love with her in a span of, I think she said in like three months. <laughs> Damn, you gotta tell us some tips, girl. But... For real. <laughs> In the beginning, when her dad drops a whole marriage bomb on her and is, like, appalled with her for being upset with him, I was like, this is insane. I would have been fuming. Yes, I could not believe that he was upset with her. And also to announce it at the bridal dressing place, I'm like, okay, you literally brought her here with the intention of her trying on gowns and being excited for you, but you met this woman two weeks ago. How did you expect her to react? It was just so crazy to me. I, I don't know what I... My parents are divorced, so I guess this could happen to me. I would lose my mind, and I think my parents would know that they could not bring this upon me because I would lose my mind. Also, too, I think it's hard... I, I was thinking about this. If I lost one of my parents, and then the other parent went on and remarried and found happiness with someone else, it would feel like you're jipping the dead parent. I can see why Chelsea would be like... You know, I think it said somewhere, the, the dad says, well, this isn't about your mom. And Chelsea's like, can't you see this is exactly about my mom? This has everything to do with my mom. So I think that complicates it, too. The only thing I didn't like about this book was the last page is when they called the new wife mom. That infuriated me. Why? Because I just, I don't, I just like, I would never call someone else mom. Like, my mom was, like, one and only. I would never call someone else mom. Even if my dad did get remarried, it would never be mom. It would be their name. I just didn't feel like that was needed. Yeah, no, I agree. I also cringed really hard at that because it literally ends on them saying, welcome to the family, mom. And I actually cringed and shuddered and was like, oh, gross. (laughs) Sorry if you have a very good relationship with your stepmom. I just, I, I can't relate. I don't have that life experience. I can't relate to that. I don't think that mom, like the word mom needed to be in there. I could have just been like, I don't even remember what the mom's name was, but it can be like, welcome to the family, Diane, or whatever the mom's name is. There was no need to throw the mom in there. Yeah. And I don't think most most step parents aren't called mom and dad unless they were like step parents at a very young age, which this girl's 30. You can't just replace. I just feel like it's replacing your mom. The time to have called her mom would have been if you were five years old and your dad remarried and that's the mom you grew up with. Then I could see why you might call your stepmom mom. But when you're 30, I agree, it was unnecessary. It was such a good book up until the last sentence. I was like, damn it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I rated it a four because of that, because I was so mad. (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't like that either, but I wasn't angry about it. I just thought it was uncomfortable. Maybe I guess I don't have a right to be angry about it. But yeah, I guess it was it was pretty ballsy for her to just like hop on a plane and go back to where she took her trip abroad seven years ago and be like, oh, I'm just going to go find the boys. I mean, how did she know those boys were even going to be? I mean, she didn't know the boys were going to be there. And that was the whole plot of the book. But yeah, well, she didn't actually know Colin would still be there. The only one she knew for sure was Marcelino in Italy. She'd lost touch with both Colin and Jean-Claude. So I was like, 
not only was it presumptuous for her to assume they were still in love with her, but yeah, why did she think they would still be there, that they wouldn't have moved on after seven years? Those were kind of plot holes, but you're right, that was the plot of the book, so I guess we just have to go with it. Okay, what's his Nightly? Nightly. <laughs> so I didn't think anything of him when he was in Boston and antagonizing her because I was like, oh, like, she just showing something. She's showing she's feisty. And then he started texting her when she was in Ireland and trying to call her. And I was like, oh, boy, another boy is in the mix in the three. And then I think from then on, I was like, it was obvious he was going to become a part of the story. You just didn't know how. Yeah, you didn't know at the beginning? Now when he came into her office in Boston, I really didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, like, she's a little sassy. Oh, I just felt like that's how all good relationships start, with the two people teasing each other and picking on each other. Oh, loved it. Tell me you hate me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think that she needed to quit her job? (laughs) No. Dude, Chelsea was crazy. She just, she, she wanted, like, it all came full circle by the end of the book, but she literally wanted to just quit her job, go travel the world, go get back together with all her exes and become the old Chelsea. And I was like, girl, I get that you are going from one extreme of grief to another, but can we just fall somewhere in the middle and chill for a second? I, yeah, that was just, it just shocked me. I was like, damn, girl. She has to throw it all away. I get like taking a sabbatical, like take three months off, take a vacation. It's not like she had a couple days she could take. She didn't even know where she was going. She was just going to meet old lovers she hasn't talked to in seven months, seven years. (laughs) It really shocked me. I was just like, she's really irrational in every word of the sense. Honestly, the past two books we've read, both the lead female characters have been a little ballsy. Just getting up and leaving their life and traveling the world. That's not me and I cannot relate, but I guess you go, girl. And I'm so glad her boss talked some sense into her because they, she goes on this whole adventure. She finds none of her ex-lovers. She has nothing. And she comes back to Boston with no job, no love. Her family wants to disown her. I was wondering, does she even keep her apartment? How is she paying for that? I was just like, this is a very, maybe we're just, again, we're accountants that we like it safe. But Yeah, I would have definitely kept my job as a safety net. But I, I think, what is it they always say about people who go to Hollywood? If you have a safety net, then you don't fully commit to your plan. So maybe that was her thought process. I can't go find myself if I'm holding on to my past self. Which she is can go just... find herself and have a job still waiting for her. <laughs> Yeah, that's the accountant in you, not the romance book person. (laughs) Have you ever considered taking a similar journey in your life and, like, trying to find yourself? Um, yes, every day. (laughs) Where would you go? Where are your (laughs) ex-lovers? Oh, sadly, (laughs) Alabama. (laughs) Please talk about Alabama. (laughs) Please go somewhere more exciting. I'm sorry for anybody who lives in Alabama. (laughs) Small town, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Gonna go find me an ex-lover. No, yeah, no, I would not go there. (laughs) I 
I just feel like a solo trip to find yourself, not with the purpose of reconnecting with an ex-lover or anything like that, like just a solo trip and go find yourself. I mean, we've talked about where we want to go. I'd really like to go maybe to Turkey, maybe to Switzerland. I mean, my dream is to go to, um, where were the Lord of the Rings movies film? New Zealand. New Zealand. I want to go backpacking around New Zealand. I do feel like any trip alone is how you find yourself because like, you're not trying to appease somebody else you're traveling with. I don't know. You have to worry about that person and what they want to do. And you're like, when you're traveling alone, especially in a country, you get to do whatever you want to do and talk to and see whatever you want to see. Especially kind of Chelsea where she had no set plan. She just bought like, it kind of sounded like, well, I guess she kind of did have a plan. It sounded like she bought tickets to each country. I don't know. Every place she went to, though, she was like, oh, I don't know when I'm leaving. Uh, It's kind of flexible. So I don't know when she bought the flights, but I think it would be so fun to just take a sabbatical and have three months where I could just go and have no limits. I mean, obviously I'd have some limits, but just, you know, if I want to stay longer in Ireland, I stay longer in Ireland. And if I'm done with it, I just move on. I think so, too, but I also don't know if I'm the kind of person that can do that. Oh, no, I'm a planner. I can't do that. (laughs) And I'm also not someone who could just, like, I don't know, float with the wind. Like, I need to do something. I'm someone who can't sit still unless I'm, like, reading. And I wouldn't really want to go to a foreign country and just read. It was really cute. Um, This week, my mom sent me an Instagram photo of the Eiffel Tower, and she's like, you'll be here soon. And I'm like, oh, mom, you support me, my irrational trips alone. But again, I'm going on a trip with a tour group, not by myself. Me and Marissa have actually looked into this recently because we are working from home for our jobs. So we're like, oh, we can just house sit and work wherever because we don't, we don't play, we probably won't go back to our office for a good bit. But the the one thing we found was that that lady who had the dogs, she had to comb each dog. Then she had like ten <laughs> dogs. You had to comb them each day. <laughs> Yeah, and you know if she's that crazy to leave those directions, she set cameras up all over her house and is watching you. <laughs> I was like, we couldn't do this. We wouldn't have time to work. We'd be too busy combing our dogs each day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Chelsea sounds like she has some cool jobs. Like, in Ireland, she worked on a farm. In yeah. France, in Paris, she was a nanny. And then in Italy, she worked on a vineyard. So I was like, well, this girl has it set. Where do I find those jobs? I know. Um, I wouldn't really want to be a nanny just because kids, ew. But uh, working in a vineyard, like giving tour guides, that's something I would like to do. Okay. Which of Chelsea's former three lovers, Colin, John claude or can you pronounce the third one for me again? Marcelino. Is your favorite and why? I think you explained this already, though. Who is your well, favorite? I actually think, so it depends on the context of favorite. I think I would want to date and be best friends with Colin because he was just this free spirit. Like him and Chelsea were kindred spirits. They could joke and laugh. And that's what I'm looking for in a potential spouse. Whereas like Jean-Claude, obviously we hate, if you've read the book, we hate him. But even if, if he didn't do the bad thing he did, which was trying to prostitute Chelsea out, even if he hadn't done that, he wouldn't be my type because he's almost like, too smooth like you know he's just a little suave and I don't know like I I feel like I feel fake being with him and then Marcelino is your gay best friend you just love him there's no attraction there but you know you have fun together and you can do the finer things in life but still be laid back and casual for dating purposes it's Colin for me but for best friend purposes it's Marcelino it really shocks you that she left this much of a like an impact on all three of them. I know. 
I don't think if I saw any of my ex-boyfriends, I don't think they would be that happy to see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally Jean-Claude and Marcelino both, when she showed up, like made it known they were still in love with her. And I'm thinking, would my ex even remember me? Did I leave an impression like that? Or Okay, so when Colin, like... I was like, oh my god, they're going to hit it off. Because he was so, like, cozy up with her. And she was touching his arm. So happy to see her. And I think he, uh, she kissed his cheek. But he let her, like, he didn't, he didn't lead any notion that he had a wife. And then his wife just comes strolling over. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, they're going to, she's going to throw down. Yeah, a wife and kids. <laughs> I, I would have been so mortified if I was her. But I feel like her his wife came in at the worst time. Like, wasn't it when she was, like, scooted over and put her arm on his arm? Like, <laughs> and yeah. then the wife was locked up. But I love how his wife was so awesome. I just, like, kicked Colin home and, like, took over and turned into girls' night. And yeah. I feel like, go his wife. Man, that, that's great. To have that kind of confidence to be like, I'm not worried about him cheating. He loves me too much. Like, how do I get that security? You gotta move to Ireland, girl. <laughs> Find me a sheep herder. <laughs> also love the pole dancing part of this book. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> but I feel like it was a way to show that, like, old Chelsea was peeking through because of the journey because she was finally letting loose a little more and trying new things but I just feel like that part probably was not needed I I'm so mad of how Paris how everything happened with John Claude John Paul whatever the hell his name is (laughs) I was so upset of how that unfolded because the whole book is called Paris is a good idea but like it sounded like Paris was the worst part of the whole idea like the whole point like whole trip Ireland worked out pretty well, like, Italy worked out well, but Paris was just, like, went up in flames, and she's like, and Paris is always a good idea. Paris definitely sucked, as far as Jean-Claude's concerned, but that's also where Jason shows up, and Jason's actually the one who, I think, says Paris is always a good idea. That was the pivotal moment, and then their Eiffel Tower kiss was amazing, so it wasn't all a bust, but the Jean-Claude thing was, gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I was... I sh- she should have kept those dresses. Yeah, I would not have dry cleaned them and sent them back. I would have just probably thrown them in the street. I would have flown away with them. They were like, what <laughs> something? I was like, damn, I'm keeping these dresses. I kind of saw it coming, though. I'm not going to lie. Or at least, like, when they pulled up to the mansion and she said something about, like, if he was going to try and pursue his, um, like, give a pitch for his whatever he was opening, designer studio. And he said yes. And then he's like, will you help me, my whatever he called you, like, my sweet darling, will you help me do whatever is necessary? And I was like, oh, sh-. I, I just like, oof. That, that part, I was like, something bad's coming. I, I mean, I didn't know he was going to prostitute her out. But, <laughs> I mean, that's a little extreme. But I did think he was playing her at that point, And I already hated him. Yeah, I was pretty shocked about that. I was like, oh, I did not see this coming. But... I did like What's-His-Face's persistence during this time. Nightly? Yes. I keep saying, I keep, I'm, there were so many boys in this book that, like, I don't know anybody's names, but there's French boy, there's Irish boy, and then there's (laughs) Italian boy, and then there's Boston boy. boy. (laughs) And we're Team Boston. We are, we're Team Boston. (laughs) Hey, if boys in Boston are like, what's his name again? Nightly. Nightly. (laughs) 
I want to go to Boston. <laughs> He's a catch. He, he knew what he is. wanted. He wanted her. He went. He flew to Paris to get her. Yeah, that. And then I can't get over the Eiffel Tower scene. I mean, he literally—you realize—he took her to the Eiffel Tower at the perfect moment where they do all the lights. And he he danced with her. He gave her his headphones, and they listened to music and danced. Like, oh. He he loved her and pursued her. It was amazing. I know. I was smitten. I I want that night. I'm gonna. I I have to go to the top of the Eiffel Tower by myself just to see these lights. I am doing it. I also loved how whenever she was talking to her sister and she was like, "No, me and Jason are just friends," and her sister was like, "Friends don't kiss friends on top of the Eiffel Tower." And I was like, "Oh, it's so true. It's like the most romantic place." Oh. I was just in love with Knightley. He was just so sweet. And, she, and in the end, when like they were flying to Italy, she was like, I get that she still needed... Like, when she was trying to quit again when she was leaving Paris, I just didn't see the point there either because I could see she had to finish her journey. Like, she needed another week. But did she have to quit again? Like, couldn't she just go to like Italy? <laughs> she just really wanted to quit her job. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad... Like, uh... Kinsley was like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to get this name right. Nightly. I just, thank God he talked some sense to the poor girl because she was going to drop everything to be some, move to some vineyard to a guy who was either gay or didn't like her. (laughs) I was, you said you didn't mind that she continued her trip and you understood it. I was so frustrated that she left Paris for Italy with the intent of still seeing Marcelino. Because I was like, you have a good thing with Jason. And and your whole goal was to find that feeling again. And you found it. And okay, I get on the one hand, you want to finish the trip and see how things go. But that's almost like keeping Jason as a backup. Knightley, his name's Jason Knightley. But keeping him as a backup, hoping things with Marcelino are better. And that bothered me because he showed he was interested and I felt like when she kept going to Italy that showed she wasn't as interested I feel like she's pretty stubborn and I feel like she probably just like had in her head that she needed to do this she needed to see it through yeah and I feel like maybe she had to see what, like what was out there but yeah I, I feel like and I think she was scared and, and it was obvious even like even after nightly getting <laughs> that you're convinced his name is Kinsley. <laughs> I will call him Kinsley, nothing else. Um, <laughs> even when Nelly was in Italy, clearly hitting it off, they and she had no pizzazz with the... Once she was in Italy and they still haven't kissed and they had no really romantic connection at that point and Knightley comes and they share this big moment and even in the moment where they're sitting next to each other talking about the saddest points in their lives and they still feel like this draw to each other, she's still like too scared to admit it and she's like trying to kiss a boy who doesn't clearly want to kiss her. Yeah, and she'd already tried to kiss Marcelino at that point and that's when Jason had showed up. And I feel like she she blamed him on ruining the kiss, but Marcelino wasn't feeling it, okay? He was not feeling that with her. And she was trying to force it just to force it. So, I don't know. Like, I get she was scared to pursue things with Jason, but I would have been more scared to keep trying to kiss a guy who wasn't into me. 
I would just feel I would feel very I would be really awkward going up to ex lovers and just expecting them to house me. I don't think I'd have the guts to go up to any of them. I wouldn't have guts to do any of this trip to go up to Colin at the farm or go up to John Claude in like the designer factory. I would not have the guts to do this. It kind of just looked like she was pathetic and not. I don't want to call it pathetic, but. I don't know. If I want to run to my ex. I want to be doing what I want. To do. I want to be looking fabulous while doing it, and like, oh, just strolling along, wasn't looking for you at all, kind of thing. It was pathetic both of the first two times because both of the first two times with Colin and Jean Claude, she fell, and that's how she got their attention. And I was like, girl, at some point, it's not an accident. You're doing it on purpose for attention. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this book is really cute. I <laughs> I want to fly around the world and then have them, someone from my hometown fly there and tell me they're in love with me. It's so romantic. It is so romantic. How did we get that? <laughs> you got to start fighting with people. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start flying to foreign countries and hoping they follow. I, you told me about your day. I also had a very busy day. I woke up at 6 a.m. and I worked on freaking three cute estimates for like three or four hours. I also did two loads of laundry, washed, dried, folded, cleaned my bathroom, my room, the kitchen, walked my dog, started making cookies. And I, by the time you're like, let's do the podcast, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> This has woken me up for sure, but yeah, no, I was, my eyes were drooping in the car at home, and I'm like, but we have to record. (laughs) What other questions are there? Okay, let me look at the back of the book. Okay, how does grief play a role in both Chelsea and Jason's life? Well, they both lost someone to cancer, so that's the obvious connection of how it plays a role in their life. I actually highlighted several things, though, that just stood out to me. Uh, like quotes that I just loved. I loved when she was talking about Jason and she said, his smile was a bit lopsided, his lips curving up higher on one side, as if he knew that the flip side to happy was sad. And this knowledge made it impossible for him to smile fully, knowing that there was a grim truth to every joke. And that to me stood out because I feel like that is the epitome of sarcasm. And you and I are both very sarcastic people. And I feel like, at least for me, it's because, you know, there's te- like there's truth to every joke. And so even when you're joking about dark things or whatever, there's a little bit of truth there. And I don't know. It's just sad to know that he probably felt how she described him. Like there is sadness on the other side of happiness. The fact that he loved his sister so much was why it hurt so much when she died. And, you know, the fact that she loved her mom so much. So it's just that that tied them together in the sense that they'd both gone through something traumatic. They both had to grieve and he'd just gone through his grief process a lot earlier and she was going through it still. I definitely think it affected the way they love, but I feel like it was like their common ground. I I think it was, I felt so bad about his sister and, and her mom too. I both are just awful, but he was just, he, I feel like his grief made him sexy. <laughs> Is that bad? Um, no, I mean, it's not bad. He was sexy and his grief was a part of him. But you mean like when they're sitting there talking about it and he's sad. Honestly, I was uncomfortable with that scene because I felt like there was so much heat between them as they were talking about these sad, sad things 
and I just wanted them to make out. And I felt like that was the wrong response to telling each other about your darkest moments. It's like, tell me the most raw thing and then make out right here in public. <laughs> but like, if that's what you mean by his grief was sexy, I felt it. So okay. I guess up to that point, and I, we saw a little bit bits of him in Paris about him being ro- a romance romantic, but he was still kind of like this like showboat, like, oh, he seemed like kind of a frat boy. Up until that point. And then up until he started talking about his real feelings, you're like, oh my god, this guy has so much more depth to him. He is so sexy. He he cares about his sister. Like, yeah, I was just yeah. turned. I was like, wow, he's just so hot. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it's my inner, like, I need a damaged person. <laughs> I think you want a damaged person because you know then they'll understand whatever baggage you have. So it's... You have that connection. Whereas, yeah, before that, I do think he seemed like a frat boy. But Chelsea said at the end of the book that she thought she'd maybe misjudged him. And she thought all his niceness to everyone was just for show. But, like, maybe he really was that nice. But I don't think anyone's that nice. So he probably was a bit of a frat boy. But he ended up, yes, being sexy. And the grief helped us get there. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite, favorite, favorite scene was in there in Italy. And she found his phone and, like, also her mind went in very wrong places. That was so dumb. That scene where she gets mad was so dumb. Like, what are you even getting mad about, Chelsea? The fact that she thought, I forgot, I forgot exactly what she thought, but she thought that him, the whole sex and kissing was, and, like, the saying I love you was all a plan to get her to stay at at work (laughs) so she could, so he could outshine her or something like that. Like, it was just, like... in the last 13 pages of the book at least on my kindle it was right at the end of the book and i was like author what are you doing the book is wrapping up an ending i don't need more drama i just need the happy ending yeah her mind jumped to places i never would have gone yeah she and it's happened so many times with him too like every time he like was any bit sincere she's like you're trying to sabotage me and she's like no i'm not <laughs> not even in the slightest you're the one who hates me i don't hate you <laughs> yeah no she and he called her out on that though he he literally said you're just scared and you're trying to use this as a reason to run from me so like at least he called her on that because it was ridiculous i don't know if the relationship's gonna work if she's constantly doing that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they seem very smitten at the end when she called her stepmom mom, and I was just cringing myself. But the the, the I love epilogues because I like a happy ending, and I like how it puts a pretty bow on it. It's like ten years later, or like I it's like a year later, and they're at the wedding, and they're sitting there, those eyes deeply in love. I love that. Yeah. Um, no, but we... I want this to be a, a movie. I want to see. I want to see the movie nightly. Uh-huh. I hope he's dreamy. <laughs> Wait, the movie would be called Nightly? <laughs> no, I want to be like the movie version of Nightly. Is what I mean. Oh, got it, got it. <laughs> okay, we need to finish this podcast and wrap it up. Do you have anything else to say about the podcast? What was your favorite scene? Well, you got, you, we went on a tangent. You were about to talk about, I'm pretty sure you're about to talk about the scene where he runs out in his towel. Yes, I did that. I was my favorite scene. Okay, so yeah, we went on a tangent, <laughs> which is, I, you're going to have to cut all that little middle, middle part out. <laughs> but my favorite part was when she runs out because she's all mad for 
non-logical reasons. And he runs out of his hell and he's threatened to flesh everybody. And I'm just like, this is so darn cute. <laughs> I know. That was so cute. My favorite scene was more, I liked the quotes. I just, I, I loved when he said to her, well, let me read actually what she said before that. So he had said, he, she had said something about, it would have been so much easier if I could just fall in love with Marcelino. And he was like, but he's not the perfect man for you. I am. And she was like, well, why do you think that? And then he said, because I fell in love with you on the other side of your greatest loss, your deepest grief. I fell for the strong, determined, driven woman who you'll always be. And I love you exactly as you are. And I, that to me was just I think it speaks so much to so many people who are trying to get back to who they used to be or want to be someone else. And if someone falls in love with you for you exactly as you are, it's not something you can just throw away. It was just beautiful. They had some really good lines in this book. And a lot of them were from Knightley. He was very deep, uh, like surprisingly deep. He became very attractive throughout this book. And I feel like she deep down had a crush on him because the, the one scene where in the beginning where she's like, I learned how to th- like th- free throw a piece of paper in a garbage can in case the opportunity came up where she had to show off in front of him. And I was like, you don't think that way unless you like him. <laughs> that is so true. Like how many times have I uh, secretly done something? I can't even give an example because it'd be too embarrassing, but learn something about a hobby that a guy I liked was interested in. And I, it's just on the off chance that he brought it up. It's so ridiculous. I mean, that's how, like, I just, I love makes you do stupid things. But and I feel like deep down she knew she, like, she loved him because of, like, that stuff, like, right there. But, like, I guess she didn't realize that she was more masked by, like, hatred. But overall, really good book. I, I do love the hate-to-love scenarios in books. I don't know why. I just like it better than, like, strangers to love. I I love the hate to love. Yeah, I do too. Which I don't know what this tells about us, but big fans, big fans. <laughs> Honestly, no, like it reminds me of, you know, when you're little and they say if the boy pushes you or chases you on the playground, that means he likes you. I think it's just ingrained in us that when a boy is mean to us, that means he likes us. So like, yes, I love the hate to love stories because that's real love. I wonder if this had been told from his perspective, if we would have seen just a completely different story unfold, because since this was told from her perspective, like, although we as the observer could see how he was pursuing her, she was just interpreting it as, oh, annoying nightly coming here to Paris, ruining my trip. Like, what's his problem? And, you know, deep down, his problem was her. He wanted her and he was chasing her. I kind of would have, I think, liked to read this from his perspective because I think it would have been so frustrating to be him and be like, why can she not see we're perfect together? Yeah, so I guess maybe the hate to love. I mean, it, it is a hate to love, like, they were never friends, but I don't think he has that whole, like, bad boy mean person. Like, he was never mean to her. Yeah, I agree. They were just really competitive in the work <sighs> environment. I love that. I want to get together with someone I'm super competitive with. Are you that competitive? I mean, I am. I feel like it's gone downhill I feel like now I'm just nice to people and let people walk all over me. But I used to be really competitive. I feel like I get mad at I don't get mad at you, but like I feel like I get riled up when you people walk over you. And I'm like, Marissa, you do something about it. You're like, I feel like I might make you upset more. I don't mean to. <laughs> so I'm like competitive 
with sports. Like if I'm playing a sport, I don't like to lose and I don't like to lose at games. And I don't, I, I will argue, debate. If, if we're ever in a political debate, not that we would be because I think we agree on things and I don't really talk politics anymore. But man, in high school, I could debate someone to death, like put them in their grave. That was what I lived for. Uh, I love, I love putting people in their place. <laughs> I feel like we're generally on the same page about a lot of things. We are. Except for Daisy Jones and the Six. <laughs> that will be the only, like, that book we just argue. We had. You, you mean the Camilla story? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> love Camilla. Don't start that again. <laughs> okay, so what would you rate this book? I'd give this a solid four. I give this a 4.5. I think I rated it at 4 on Goodreads because I was mad about the last page. But I think it's a 4.5 for me. It has everything I I wanted it. It has travel. It has Paris. It has... It kind of gives me hope for us because we are a tad bit workaholics, me and you. And she's like 30 and finds love. And I just... Because like... I guess now I feel like everyone's getting engaged left and right. And my mom's so annoying. was like, you need to find a boyfriend. And like, I don't like, I can find love whenever, when I'm 30, when I'm 35, like there's no time limit on it. Heck when I'm, I could be her dad and fall in love in two weeks. at some auction. But I don't know. I, it was like uplifting in that sense. Like I didn't feel the need to settle down right now. The world is, I feel like pressuring everybody to, and it just, I don't know. It inspires me to travel and it had almost like my exact trip that I'm going on in September of like next year. I'm going to London, Paris, and Rome, where like she goes like Ireland, but like London and Ireland are pretty close. And then Rome was in the exact plot she went in Italy, but like it's a pretty close trip, like yeah. English, French, and then Italian. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like this book. 4.5 for me so that makes it a total of 4.25 which I need to post the other two writings just remembering that now oh, yes okay so our next book we're going to read is a good girl's guide to murder but thanks for listening we hope you like this book as much as we like this book let us know if you read it let us know your opinions on the book let us know what books you want us to read we are always open to suggestions um but this is Kayla and Marissa and have a good day <laughs>